0: Hi guys, welcome to the UEFA Dynasty podcast. This is episode 15, if you've been listening for the past few years. Uh, this is the first one of our 2022 season as we started our rookie draft, and we're going to discuss some things about it. I'm your host, Eric, uh, Commissioner of the League, also owner of Wolfsburg. Uh, with me, I am my co-host, Mike Udinese. Mike, how are you tonight?
1: Living the dream, man. It's uh, It's been a fun couple of days. I'm excited to talk about it.
2: That's some fancy wallpaper you've got going on behind you.
1: High class hotel, man.
0: And uh, speaking of the frozen man himself, who can't seem to get any technical shit going on right tonight, we have uh, Fred, owner of Hercules. Fred, how are you tonight? Um, I don't know. Can you hear me or
2: not? We can (laughs) hear you, (laughs) (laughs) but we can't see you. Your face is frozen, something (laughs) like this. That's awesome. I.
1: this is just going to be fun because he's just going to be in and out and that's going to be the podcast. And again, we have some fun things to talk about, so it'll be good to have him here when he's here and when he's not, well, you know, we'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. So I think we're going to have to make a rule. Like anytime we say the word pineapple, that means Fred is joined and we're going to switch to trying to get Fred included. And then we'll just start giggling like school children. Every time he gets disconnected.
1: I'm perfectly okay with that rule. So pineapple it is.
0: All right, cool. So while, while Fred's uh, not here, I'll, I'll just run through the, the house cleaning stuff for anyone that needs a brief breakdown of the league. We're starting our rookie draft, followed by our youth squad draft. That happens every year. Nothing's new there. Uh, you know, Just check in every day. Make sure you're being active. Plenty of trading going on if you want to change your team. Uh, we have five new owners this year, and i just like to quickly introduce them. A lot of them being active on the trades, which is also very refreshing. Uh, we have Zach, who is replacing Chelsea's team with Sheffield United. He's made a few trades already. Uh, Everton is now owned by Ryan, who's made a fuck ton of trades, especially on the clock. Uh, <laughs> Joe has made a trade or two himself. He now owns Leipzig. Uh, Paul, a- another new owner, who's made a move or two, um, taking over Dortmund and. Dylan, who is the only owner that hasn't made any moves since the draft started, uh, who owns mines, but he didn't have many rookie picks coming out of the dispersal, so that makes sense. Uh, welcome to the league, guys. Uh, if if you're listening, uh, send send one of these guys a an, an offer. Get him a get him a nice deal, right, Mike?
1: I'm actually sending mines a deal right now.
0: Okay, great. multi <laughs> Uh yeah, uh, we could talk about it. I mean, it. it you, I know you're not supposed to talk about deals that aren't done yet, but uh, we're we're happy to have them, and hopefully they're 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 here for the long haul. We we uh look forward to it. Uh, so now that we've uh, introduced the new owners, a couple things I wanted to bring up are the upcoming things for the league outside of the draft. Um, there's a new new week in the NFL schedule. So Matt and I are going to have to go through it. I think the 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 easiest option would be to eliminate one of those doubleheader weeks that we have and add a week 17. There'll still be that last week that we avoid because a lot of the starters get benched. We really won't know how week 17 plays out until we see it once. Um, we'll have to see what we're going to do with our, our championships as well, as that's on a set thing. We might do a, a one-week break, just like week six, take it completely off or week five, whatever it is to line it up. But we will, uh, me and Matt, will discuss that if, you know, if we're in between, if something's not obvious, we'll post a poll, we'll post discussions. So the owners will be included in that. Uh, we we'll try to make it as fair as possible. Uh, Mike, you have any preference on how we handle scheduling like that?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, going after one of the double header weeks makes a lot of sense, um, especially if it's one that may overlap with some bye weeks um, that's probably the most fair way to do it. Uh, and I know it's impossible to avoid them all. Um, but one of the really nice things I was just remarking about our league earlier is um, everyone's losing their mind around week 14 being a bye week this year. Um, and for traditional leagues, that's could to be second round of the playoffs. Whereas last year it was week 13, which was first round of the playoffs. So you know, a lot of people saying, okay, I can't touch. I think it's Eagles, Jets, and a couple of other uh, teams that are uh, potentially going on by during many people's playoff runs. Ours, is part of a regular season, so kind of ho-hum, no big deal. So uh, minimizing the impact of that at as much as possible, I think, is is great, even though our league format kind of minimizes it a little bit on its own. Yeah, the, 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 the
0: soccer-mimicked schedule definitely. Like, you know, the first four weeks, if your schedule is real nice, you could, you could build a team for that domestic cup the first four weeks, if you're super trade happy. So it, it, there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of options. We will be transparent and, and let you guys know as soon as we make those changes. But right now there's no schedule in place other than the one that we had. That's old. So uh, we will update you guys soon. Um, <coughs> some more things that, God bless you. Some more things that are going to happen. We need to update the banners. Jeremy's aware he's, he's been busy with a few things. So, uh, He'll be updating those shortly. Uh, I know Zach was very kind to make his own banner, which is very nice. But uh, uh, other things we I want to have done, um, if you've seen it in soccer bars, they kind of have like a, a poster where they have different trophies. And then each year, the team logo of who won it. Mm-hmm. And I want that so that you, you can look at one place to see, every year, you'll have in a column, and you'll have the eight or nine logos of the teams that won the trophies. So that way, you know, a new owner comes in, they can see who's done well in the past and so on and so forth. That, cool. Yeah, for, it's for everyone, too. Um, I, I do have a detailed records page on... Oh, Pineapple! Hey, Fred! Uh, oh, Fred's on a new device. We'll see if this works. Uh, Fred, uh, we're just going over uh, upcoming projects, but we'll interrupt it to say hello. Do you think you'll be connected for more than a couple of minutes this time?
2: I pulled my laptop off of the docking station, so... I think that was the root cause. So now I'm just using the uh, built-in mic or built-in uh, the camera.
0: Okay, it's it, you're still there and the camera is on, so we're we're doing well. Uh, it just uh, we we went over the new owners, we went over that the schedule is going to be adjusted, the banners need to be updated, and that we're going to do a at a glance kind of grid format of who's won each trophy in the past. So. Old and new owners alike can check it out to see what the past history of the league is. Um, another thing I'm adding, which we were just mentioning, was a detailed records page for each owner. Um, in some of our other leagues, we have that on your when you click on your home page, it pops up like what your record is and this and that. I'm going to be building that this off season. Hopefully, that's done before week one. And uh, as I did last year, I'll run a, a youth squad report to see whose uh, youth squads are looking good. Granada heavily reshaped his, which we'll get into. uh, I think it's our first topic of discussion. So I guess that's a great segue. And uh, Mike did such a great job of uh, compiling all this. So Mike, why don't you introduce us to the uh, the, the two-cup holder right now, total rebuild of Granada, our friend Chase. (laughs)
1: So as you guys, uh, yeah, as as Eric has mentioned, our friend chase uh does this every once in a while and some leagues it's an annual thing sometimes it's a biannual thing um but uh chase will uh go about a rebuild like this where he takes what's a very solid team and tear it down into youth and a lot of different you know devies, picks etc and then somehow find himself back in the title game next year so again I'm going to call this a (laughs) rebound, granted, often it tends to find him right back in the playoffs. Um, But I've tried to summarize kind of what the uh, major pieces that have moved here. So in terms of what he's given, and I've highlighted some of the major pieces in green, um, he had given his uh, second through fourth rounders. I think he'd already traded his first at this point for uh, 231 before the draft started. And then after the draft started, um, he systematically traded away what I would call a starting lineup of Um, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Miles Sanders, um, Nuke, Landry, uh, DK, and Kelsey. Uh, Probably need to put one more in there, probably Robbie Anderson, Mm -hmm. as well as uh, Devontae Parker, Emmanuel Sanders, James Conner, A.J. Green. Um, But again, in the reforming of his roster, he's gotten some pretty decent pieces back for it. Um, So in terms of picks that have not been made yet, He still has the 148, the 203, the 204, the 227, and the 229 that he's picked up in um, these trades, and he's only given out uh, the 331 that he hasn't gotten back. He's gotten his first rounder back in addition with um, Arsenal's first and second, Borussia's first, Dortmund's first and second, Hanover's first, Hercules' first and second, Juventus' second and fourth, uh, Napoli's first, Leipzig's third. Um, as mentioned, he's got his first back. And then <laughs> in terms of rookies, he's added Rashad Bateman, Trey Sermon, uh, Jalen Waddle, and Devonta Smith. Um, so the point is, he's taken what was his roster, um, broken it down into already, I think, four first-round rookies with at least one more to go in a couple of early seconds. Um, and then next year with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, firsts and one, two, three, four uh, seconds. Uh, in addition, he's taken a bear taxi squad and now has it at nine with a U squad pick to be made this year, which would get it to its maximum of 10, um, picking up some bigger names like. Brees Hall, Gibbs, uh, Jackson Smith, and Juba, Julian Fleming, um, some guys who are not necessarily living up to expectations, but could bounce back. And Bo Nix and and John Emery, and then Sam Horde, again, who's a five-star prospect, number one pro-style QB in his class, um, who could be making some noise. So he's gotten some quality debbies. He's gotten seven first-round picks and four second-round picks, and he's already made four first-round picks with a fifth to go as well as two very early seconds. So, um, again, for those who haven't played much with Chase before, this is something that happens on almost an annual basis. Um, But when he does it, he he does it hard like this. So seeing some of the big names that moved on the left is going to be a little bit jarring. But then if you take it into context of what he's gotten back, um, I actually would say he's come out ahead so far. But again, I'll leave that open to further interpretation by my other uh, participants here.
2: Yeah, coming out ahead really depends on those Devies hitting, right? I mean, some of these guys I've heard of, but most of them, most of the Devy world is just, you know, Greek to me. So I I don't know you know who which of these people are coming out are, are any of them coming out next year or likely to come out next year? Pretty uh, tall, right?
1: Not really. No. I think I think we're talking mostly twenty three class and beyond.
2: Okay, so so even next year he's somewhat boned. He's got all these Devies. I mean, he can move them around, but he's gonna be stuck waiting for you know waiting to catch in these tickets.
1: Right. And again, we've been in enough leagues with Chase that he could choose to do that. And, you know, that would be perfectly fine. Or what I think we're all kind of expecting is at some point he's going to say, hey, you know, you've come out of the draft looking to build for next year. You should take Sam Horde from me and give me Matt Ryan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Brees Hall would look really good on your team in two years. Um, You should give me Miles Sanders for that. Or stuff like that. Again, these are things that he just gave up. I get. And you know, you guys will see. This is kind of the cycling that goes on. But um he'll be able to, to move these pieces if he wants to kind of stay in the Champions League this year. Um, because that's good, that's the difficult thing about this league, which you know, you look at some of the, the top teams right now, they can't get at the big money because they're not in the Champions League. So, you know, it may behoove him to say, Yeah, I'm rebuilding but I need to stay strong enough to not lose a spot there um, while I continue to reinforce and, and reload rather than just a
0: full-on rebuild. Yeah, Mike, you, you brought up a, a great point with the, the aspect that the Champions League requires two years of success. Now, his last year was tr- tremendously successful. He had mm-hmm. made the most money out of any owner in this league winning his domestic cup, winning his league cup, and placing in the Champions League he might have come close to Chris actually because the Champions League is the most money and he did and Chris wound up winning it of Atletico Madrid but um in terms of chase we've seen him do this he he's a one of the few owners that can go from win now to rebuilding in one off season. he oh
2: let's not let's not assume that he's not going back to win now before the end of this offseason right
0: right so it, it, if I think it's – well, we're going to sit here and debate the strategy of is it the right time to rebuild. For him, rebuilding is always. <laughs> so it's it's hard to say that he doesn't know what he's doing because he has been successful in these leagues. But, um, Mike, I know you want to break down the terms of value, but it, I think he rebuilt better than any team has in this league. I mean, you look at – I mean – Right here, us three, we're the three owners that really rebuilt into a, a great season two. Uh, this year, it remains to be seen what Juventus and Roma can do, but they've clearly made trades to be w- more win now this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to be the, the upcoming new favorite for 2024.
1: Right, and again, it's it's interesting because um, there's parts of our league that really are meant to mimic real-life FIFA. Um, but parts that don't, like, you know, you wouldn't see a Arsenal do something like this. You wouldn't see a Man City say, okay, you know, shipping out all of my big contracts and give me, give me the Utes. Um, but it's something that makes sense in, in that So it's not necessarily an easy thing to try and model uh, as you do this. But, again, um, as Eric had said, I tried to put just kind of a rough, you know, my valuation of what these things were in terms of first round picks. Mm -hmm. And basically what I'm saying here is what he's given up amount to about 25, 21 and a half first round picks. And what he's gotten back is amounting to about 23 and a half first round picks. So I think he's coming out a little bit ahead. I think there've been a couple of these, these individual trades like, you know, Swift for, um you know, Brees Hall being the main piece he got back where you're kind of like, well, is that really a good deal? But in the aggregate, it's looking okay for him. And, again, some of this is, um, you know, I I don't want to oversell the, you know, level of precision here with like .8s, .1s and stuff like that. That was just me kind of going through it quick. But point is there have been a couple of trades that have been called out saying, oh, we got crushed on that one yeah, you know, this is kind of what Chase does. In the aggregate, though, he ends up kind of being okay. So, um, you know, good on him for recognizing what he wants to do with his team and going and do it. But um, definitely a uh, an aggressive approach. And one that's made, uh, I'd say, the draft a little bit more interesting.
2: Yeah, the funny thing to me is that he decided to do this after basically all of the top six or seven studs of this rookie draft were off the board. So... You know, he missed out on the quarterback run. He missed out on no kind of. Did I he, mean,
1: get? he He traded up for one. He had broken down. I think it was uh, Kyler for a uh, package with one eleven in it before okay. Okay. Um, that happened. So before he
2: traded that day. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he so he was there early enough to to take advantage of of those values, right?
0: Yeah, and I, I, Mike, you, you really did make a great point with the Champions League. I don't know if he needed to do this yet. In, in my opinion, if I were running his team, I'd try to take a Kyler Murray or a DeAndre Hopkins and break it down into multiple contending pieces, maybe a bit younger if you wanted to. They're still pretty young in my eyes, but so you could you know have some depth, have some youth, And still compete in the Champions League where you can make the big money this year. Because no matter what, even if he goes win now for next year, if he goes into the the year with this lineup, he's not going to make the Champions League. He probably won't make the Europa League.
2: I can guarantee you that his status in the Champions League was not a consideration that he even thought of. (laughs) (laughs) Because he doesn't know how this league works, and very few of us actually do.
1: Well, again, I, I, I draw your attention to the names in green on the left side. The names in white over here are, you know, if you get a first rounder for any of those guys, good for you. I don't think these are the guys that, you know, these are the guys you want to sell. These are the guys you want to turn out, but they're not going to do much to kind of help you reload unless you kind of hit your draft picks. Um To your point, Eric, he wouldn't need to break down a stud. And he's been trying. He's been trying to trade DK for the last, I want to say, three weeks before the draft and was unsuccessful. You know, I feel like every day he was mentioning Kyler Murray, you know, on the block, you know, who's going to give me a a package, you know, QB and something else for Kyler, and it wasn't getting it. So, you know, this is just him taking that to the next level of, okay, instead of just blowing up one or two studs, I'm going to blow up all of my studs and then – use that to reseed everything and then have to use three or four of those seeds to get myself enough pieces to be competitive with everything reseeded. Cause that's the other thing. It's like he moved Kyler Murray, but then like, it's like, Oh my God, he got rid of Kyler Murray. It's like, well, he got Daniel Jones and um, 111 and a couple other like interesting pieces back that he's been able to recycle. So when Chase trades, he never trades out. He trades kind of back within a tier.
0: Right, yeah, and that makes sense. If I didn't realize he was trying to shop uh, to to consolidate or not consolidate to break down the stud before the draft,
2: yeah, I and think he now has
1: seven first round picks. So you you take the four he's going to take or five four or five he's going to have this year, the seven he's going to take next year, and nine Debbies with three of them being higher quality. If you choose to sell half of that, he can be a team that's going to maintain its position in the Champions League.
0: Yeah, yeah, at least contending.
2: What does it What does it require to maintain your position in Champions League?
1: So let me find. I got there was a good image um, that one of the guys in the league maintains here, and I forget. It's on,
0: it's on the message board if you want to pull it up. It's called the. He calls it the Super Table. It is yeah. excellent. But basically, Fred, if you if you eliminate the few ways you can qualify by like winning the domestic cup, right? It's the top five teams in your league. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: So he's in what uh, La Liga, mm-hmm. uh, Real. So it was um, Atletico Madrid was a six seed in doing it, but basically you needed thirty six points to qualify um, last year, which means we have a couple of double headers and everything in there. Um, Twelve wins.
0: I pulled up the, the super table if anyone's yeah, watching I'm, or if, if you guys are looking.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at that now. So uh, I would need to look at some of those teams. I'm obviously, uh, Fred, I'd say you've got one of the, the better teams there. Um, I think there's some some true quality. But I think there are a couple of teams that did go the rebuild path um, that, you know, could end up being easy wins. So. I haven't done the full-on analysis. I'll, I'll admit to that. This is kind of preliminary. But um, like I said, it, I, I think for the price to get some of the veterans and the price some of those veterans are going for, especially in this draft, um, post-draft Chase could absolutely sell some post-camp hype and get to you know 36 points and maintain a Champions League spot and then get all the reinforcements of those you know, seven rookie picks next year.
2: Yeah, he would be the kind of person who would maintain the value of his roster and replace those guys with people who will play now or people who will play this yeah. year.
0: If, if you take a quick look at the, the standings from last season, um, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla, who finished sixth and seventh in their division respectfully, um, were the Champions League finalists. <laughs> which is very weird it was very weird how the season planned out and if you see sevilla's two 2075 points which is good for third in his league and wanted to finish seventh and missing out he's a team that will probably be cha- taking granada's spot deportivo will be another team competing so those would be the two teams that can take you know the granada spot batista spot uh even antonio spot i I haven't seen the uh, of Espanyol. i haven't seen the changes he made but um Outside of that, the bottom five, I don't think they've made any big changes to make them immediate contenders for that. So you're looking at seven teams competing for five spots. That would be my analysis on it. Mm-hmm. And well, now it's six teams competing for five spots because Granada is not one of those teams right. as well, of may- keep this recording. Keep right,
2: right. He hasn't he hasn't flipped the switch yet.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think it's a good enough uh, Granada analysis for now. Um, maybe I think I think Mike's in enough leagues where maybe he could write a book on Chase's mind because I would certainly read it.
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's it's something that I, I admire the effort because this is not an easy thing to do. Luckily, in a league our size, he has enough owners that he can kind of shop around and usually find one or two owners who, is, who are interested in what he's trying to do. Um, but In a lot of this, he's either purposely losing deals on paper or, um, you know, losing one to win the next one. Um, Where, like, TJ Hawkinson, like, you're taking Sam Horde back, um, who's, I think, maybe, what, 2024, 2025 class eligible. Like, that's a big risk. Um, Trading DeAndre Swift, who is one of the darlings of last year's running back class, and the main piece back is Brees Hall who, again, had a fantastic freshman season, um, that's a big risk. But, again, spreading out that risk into 20 pieces and then being able to recycle these, it's it's something that he does really well and to great success across a number of leagues. So, like you said, though, Eric, I think we've we've spent enough time talking through that.
0: Yeah, so um, let's let's move on to a, a, f- a few more trades that we, we've highlighted and a few more that we haven't highlighted that we'll talk about too. But the first one um, that uh, Fred actually brought up was the uh, Roma giving up uh, his early 102 pick for Everton's Prescott. Um, and so Everton got Lawrence. Roma gets a more established quarterback coming off the ACL. Oh, we might have lost Fred. He's in the conversation, so I'll I'll go ahead and introduce. No, he's you. still here.
1: You may not be able to hear us, but I can still see him.
0: I can hear you guys. I just muted
2: my microphone for a minute. Uh, yeah. So, okay.
0: so, um, Fred, why don't you talk about um Roma giving up Lawrence for Dak Prescott? I mean, he did have a bunch of picks, so maybe he's he's making that transition to win now. But why don't you uh, take us through that, if you don't mind?
2: Um. Okay. Uh. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I've been told that Roma. Gave up 102 for Dak Prescott.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so so basically he was he was one of the Luigi, uh, owner of Roma was one of the rebuilding teams. Uh, Syria had two serial tankers, and uh, I think Roma lost the battle to Juventus in the end because Juventus literally didn't have any like i had to tell him like pick up a quarterback and start an eligible guy like he literally had no one on his roster but um so yeah i mean second place really isn't too bad in this league because you you're going to get the guy no matter what devies are gone or anything like that um so right he, right and he gets Dak prescott uh instead of lawrence uh, i don't know where you guys think, see that on value but i like
2: it i think it's a, well of course you do um but i think it's a fantastic trade for him um i've got Dak prescott fairly well ahead of any of these rookies, no matter who, who, how how highly, you know, regarded they are at this point. Um, I, I guess you're banking a little bit on him coming back from his knee injury, ankle injury, but that appears to be going well. And you know, the way he started out last year, he was setting the league on fire. Um, you know, top two, three, four quarterback minimum. And I think he he at the time he was one overall, so you know if you want to you want to put him anywhere in that group, that's where he belongs, and that's better than that's better than you know the the draft pick for me.
0: Yeah, and I mean so he had a bunch of picks. If we're looking at Luigi's team right now, Prescott and Hurts and Fields at quarterback, Dobbins and Edmonds and Javante Williams at running back, he has. Hopkins, Ayuk, Pittman, Mike Williams, Jarvis Landry at receiver, and um, at tight end he has Hawkinson and Goddard. So all of a sudden he's got a team that's going to be competing.
2: He's got a team that he needs. I think he needs a little bit more depth at the receiver position, um, or you know a combination of receiver and running back. He needs one more, one more good guy there. Um, but he's got all these devies, uh, so he's got he's got assets to to move and maneuver with.
0: Yeah, Spencer Rattler, one of the the high, highest rated QBs right now in the Devi world. You don't say. Hey. Yeah, Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, any take on the Dak vs Lawrence trade here, or Luigi's roster?
1: Um, so I'm going to start with the trade, and then I'll go into Luigi's roster. Um, I prefer Dak to uh, to Lawrence in for so many reasons, but. Um as Fred will tell you, I'm an Ohio State fan. Um, and I had many years where Urban Meyer led our team back to prominence and even won us a national championship. Um however, there were quirks that he had in his offense that were a lot of times him trying to put a square peg into a round hole. Um, in term and it worked sometimes. He made Dwayne Haskins look like a first round pick. Um, Curtis Samuel um has been probably maybe overdrafted and overpaid because of his contributions or lack of contributions in a couple of locations because of of um his role there but that being said um he scares the crap out of me as a head coach in the nfl because a lot of these things aren't going to work in the nfl and some of the things he's going to try and do aren't going to work. Like just take in and of itself, it, lining like Travis Etienne, who is one of the better backs in the uh, in the class, up at receiver all mining camp. Now maybe this is all just colored bubbles. Maybe this is something that's real. But if you take a running back in the first round and to try and convert him into a receiver, that's not a recipe for success, especially when you have a running back there who was one of the more productive ones in the league. So it's things like that that Meyer and Bevel are going to do that I think are going to make Trevor Lawrence less successful early on. Now, that's a bit of a rant, but if I'm trying to compete, if I'm trying to win, if I'm treating my first-round pick as Roma does relatively soon after this, I want the quarterback who is going to be more stable. Now, look at Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup's lines last year without Dak Prescott. Now, that old line is back. Zeke Elliott is back healthy. Dak is back healthy. And that defense looks to finally be loaded for bear. So um, give me Dak Prescott all day by a wide margin over Trevor Lawrence now and in the next three years.
0: Okay. And now uh, you said you also want, and and, uh, so I think we're all on the same page. We all picked Dak. We all knew I was. You two I wasn't sure about. Um, But if we look at uh, Luigi's roster, did you have any more comments before we move on, Mike?
1: Um, So, yeah, I mentioned that uh, he had made the trade up to get uh, Justin Fields also to pair with Dak. I like that. Again, the mobility I think makes a lot of sense. Um, Has the running back. I think um, Luigi's being targeted in his approach here. Um, he's got the pieces that I think he's going to be able to finish mid-table or lower table with a team like this. So, he, he again, he's not going to be able to take a team like this, turn it around and say, okay, great, I'm going right after the uh, cup immediately. Um, but he's got the right pieces here. And like you said, with now three quarterbacks, with Spencer Rattler in um, his uh, taxi squad, Trey Palmer, G. Scott, uh, guys like that, um, if he needs to go add a receiver, if he needs to go add something else, he's got the ammo to go get it done. So um, kind of like Chase's, I don't think we've seen the final product of Roma squad yet, uh, but the iteration that we have here, um, a starting eight of, um, of Dak, Hertz, Dobbins, Edmonds, um, Iuke, Hopkins, Landry, and... Um, Pittman and Hawkinson or Goddard Goddard and Hawkinson, taking an example of double tapping uh, tight end in a premium league. That's probably 110 to 120 points week in, week out. Yeah.
0: He's got, I think he's got a a little bit above a mid table team right now. And if he makes the right moves, he could be a, a serious, serious contender. Although you can make the argument in this league since he's not in the champions league due to his piss poor performance last season it may be just a uh, qualify for the champions league, then push all in the next year.
1: Right. And I think that's going to be the thing here is um, he, I think he probably needs one more running back before he can be seriously considered a, a, a top table team. Um, and Javante Williams can develop into that. But again, I think this is a, then we get enough points to be in the running. And then once I'm in the running, I'll go from there. Um, but that being said, I don't think Luigi's pick that he gave away is going to be uh, in the top ten. I don't think it's going to be in the la- in the uh, thirty or higher. But this is this is a good team.
0: All right, all right. So uh, we we talked about Roma's team a lot here, and it it, it is what another team like. So uh, if uh, you know if every league has a Granada, they also have a Roma, right? One's making one shift one way, and the other one's zigzagging the other way. But um, we. Uh, a few things that I, well, I should I said I, but we really wanted to go over in this draft were a couple of um, a picks that we thought might have been against the chalk.
1: Well, and can I do one more trade before we jump into that, Eric?
0: Oh, sure, sure. We, we could jump around anywhere, too, but go ahead.
1: I want to talk about the adventures of Terry McLaurin.
0: Sure.
1: <laughs> so um, Terry McLaurin has had a very exciting draft process here, both him and the things he was traded for. So it kicked off, I want to say last Friday, Fred, when you traded uh, Terry McLaurin for Aaron Rodgers. Terry McLaurin was then not with Everton for long. The next day he was slipped for Chase Claypool, the 142, and the 145. Now that 142 and 145 made a couple of journeys throughout the draft process, Um, being the compensation back for – Uh, the 108 Everton going Chase Claypool 142 and 145 for the 108. Then Liverpool um, down the line, taking that same draft compensation and sending it to Atletico Madrid for Jameis Winston, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones and Marvin Jones. And then um, I thought that Atletico might've broken parts of that off um, 142, 145, and then Granada's first to go get Jamar Chase. And then I believe Granada may have right taken there on the two screen, of those pieces and moved them as well.
0: Mike, uh, he traded 142, a future second for, uh, Gibbs, Fleming to Devis and a first round pick next year.
1: Right. I think 145 may have gone on a separate trade. That's right. Um, his deal for 133 involved the 145. So whether it be Terry McLaurin or things that Terry McLaurin has been traded for, there are about six or seven deals that have come as a uh, a result of that. So Fred, does that make you feel like a happy papa?
2: Well, in a way, um, you know, I, I feel like he's all grows up now and he, he's, he's he's off on his own doing his own thing. Um, but the whole, the whole cascade really fell into my lap and the rest of the league's lap because Everton's the one who approached me out of the blue just to, to take uh, Roger's hands. Okay. So yeah. yeah, that was that you know, that one was in my inbox and set off the uh, the, the the trail of trading that happened through that.
0: Well, and we're talking about this McLaurin trade. Um, in in I my am... eyes, even though I can't spell his name right, um, he's he's set up for a great season. He He's done fairly well despite any QB consistency. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, he could give you some consistency. He could give you some volume. I, I kind of like that pairing. Uh, I really hadn't thought about it too much before tonight, but I, I really do like that pairing.
2: Oh, yeah, as uh, you know, a, a local to the... the washington football team uh they've been talking about that since fitzgerald was picked up and or,
1: fitzpatrick
2: thank you fitzpatrick was picked up and as a and, local yeah, people are yeah I, I don't i don't pay too much attention fitz whoever people people are salivating over what uh terry mclaurin can do with a, with a quarterback that's willing to throw it down the field and into into any coverage or whether or not he's open
0: Yeah, that that it it could it could be massive, but uh, yeah, clearly people have his value pinned down because there's never a question over that value if he's going to be traded so much.
2: Well, he only got moved twice. It's all the other picks that got moved after that.
0: Right, that's true too. Yeah, there was a bunch. I, I think uh, Mike broke down like five or six of them. And I think there was like ten total if you go through all those picks. So yeah, it was a it was a huge breakdown. Um but yeah we we could keep jumping into trades if you guys think of ones or you see any but the, there's a couple of uh, things we brought up during the draft that um were interesting and yes. maybe a little bit against the grain or maybe for the grain depending on how you're looking at it and um the first one here that we were going to highlight that mm-hmm. all three copies of Chase went before Pitts and Harris you can argue too and um we and some people may forget, this is a tight end premium league. It's only 1.25 PPR, but it's premium nonetheless. And uh, Mike, you, you were the one that actually brought this up, that you think Pitts should have went ahead of Chase in this format.
1: Yeah, and again, look, I, I, I love Chase. I love Pitts. Uh, obviously, I love Pitts because I gave up um, on uh, Hertz to move into a position where I could move up for Kyle Pitts. Um, but in a tight end premium league, with 16-team equivalent tight ends or scarcity, especially top tight ends, and when they're at an extra premium, the fact that he's going at a 105 equivalent in this situation, yes, I, guess it's super, I get it super flex too, but I was very surprised to see uh, Chase jump him. I, I kind of assumed pre-draft and when I was trying to, to move up to get him, I was going to have to move up into the top 10 range. Um, when I saw... Lance come off the board, and I saw the copies of Chase come off the board, uh, I was a little bit relieved in terms of the price I was going to have to pay to jump from 119 to get up and, and get pits. So, um, again, definitely something I wasn't expecting, uh, considering the nature of our league.
2: Yeah, I, I think the my, the only quibble I have with that is I, I really don't consider this to be a TE premium league because that 0. .25 points is such a small amount and uh, tight ends really don't get that many receptions anyway so i mean you're still you're still banking on yards and touchdowns for for almost all tight ends you know uh, apart from the, the very top ones this it, it 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 gives you an incentive to have one of the very top four five six tight ends but after that it's not much of a it's not much of a difference maker that I would take a tight end over a different position.
1: Right. So, again, it's a question of, you know, you have a tight end going to an offense that's supposed to feature them, and tight end who is getting comparisons to Darren Waller versus um, a guy who's getting comparisons to, um, you know, Devontae Adams or Julio. So, uh, that's kind of the ceiling. And, and again, a tight end going this high is, is unheard of in in most rookie drafts like this. But um, for anyone who's been in a true tight end premium league, especially if you're having to start two, um, I guess I I was just surprised he wasn't going, um, he wasn't the 104 or 103 on people's boards. Um, I was happy to get him where I could, but I was surprised to see him jump um, in front, see Chase jump in front of Pitts.
2: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't super flex, but I've seen him go first overall. and That was, that was a, you know, one and a half tight end premium. But, you know, I, I think in, in every, in every situation where I had a chance, I've taken him and Mm -hmm. and that's in, in several different leagues. Um, I, I believe in him as one of the top three, four tight ends going forward, um, for as long as Matt Ryan is still standing, I guess.
0: Yeah. And if you, if I I pulled it up on our screen, our our tight end scoring from last season, Um, there's a huge drop off after the first couple, right? So I think if you're, if you were analyzing who you were taking in this draft, it came down to is Pitts a top three tight end out of the gate. Or is he someone that, you know, is going to not be super consistent at the NFL level to start. Not many rookies do, especially at tight end. I know he's, He's, they they say he is you know the best tight end to come out of the draft in a long long time, so it's de- it's definitely up for debate. I I wouldn't fault anyone for choosing one over the other.
2: Well, I don't think he's going to get the targets that Kelsey Waller and Hawkinson are going to get, uh, simply because of the nature of the offense that he's on. Um, but I can't tell you that anyone else is going to get more than him after those three.
0: Well, how about well let's let's play a little scenario here julio gets traded to tennessee hmm. now do you yeah. like it
2: yeah so I'm, I'm working under the assumption that julio is going to be on the team and if if that changes then yeah that the the, the calculus is very different all
1: right so um again i, I am one of those that will over rotate on system arthur smith had johnny smith in uh in tennessee last year and you can recall Johnny Smith lining up at the backfield as a fullback, as a tight end, as a receiver, literally anywhere that Johnny Smith could line up, he could line them up. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Kyle Pitts is a Johnny Smith plus. So now you've given a coordinator who's shown that he's willing to be incredibly creative in ways that he's going to use a player to maximize their skills and given him an improved version of what he's used in the past. So, um Look, I, I don't need to do this in a Kyle Pitts podcast. I think there are plenty of those uh, that will do that for us. Um, but, you know, he's he's one of the special players, I think, out of this draft.
0: Well, Mike, and one more thing on Pitts. Do you, the one thing I noticed in Tennessee last season is that even though Jonu Smith was great, there would be days where, like, Ferkser would get more targets, and you're like, where's Jonu Smith? Like, he's been so good this season. And it, he would just disappear behind another tight end in – Almost as if like, you know, they ran a lot of two tight end sets too. Uh would that concern you? Or at least for the first couple seasons? So if I recall correctly,
1: Johnny was actually dealing with the injuries a good portion of last year.
0: It could have been two. I don't even see him here. There he is. Uh yeah, it looks like he missed two games.
1: So yeah, it was it was a kind of injury that he missed two full games but then he was uh, hindered for a good number of the rest of them. So, um look, it, it's anything can happen. Anything is possible with these things. Uh I think those were some of the first bigger games, like the 21, 27 pointer, I think was a game that, um that Johnny missed. Uh, and then first group became kind of a tight independent, you know, tight end too. So that being said, I, I think that uh look, you know, <laughs> I, don't need to, I don't need to gush anymore
0: yeah okay so yeah that's it's certainly uh it's certainly something worth bringing up and uh there, there was at least one more that i wanted to bring up to, for this draft and this was um it started with and i'll, I'll bring it up on the screen here um arsenal taking waddle at 127 while he had uh mac jones on the board he had Javonta Williams on the board, he had Devonta Smith on the board, and I thought in drafts that I've seen, Waddle has not gone this early, and um, I thought it was kind of a reach like, I mean, if you're going to take Waddle, trade down at this point, however we did see the second copy go two picks later, and then the third pick go four picks after that before the Smith copies, in between the Williams copies, oh actually in between the Smith and Williams copies and after the Mac Jones copy there so, um I think the the scariest thing for me is the system he's going into and the competition that he has. Uh, The Dolphins now picking up uh, Will fuller who is a great receiver, in my opinion. So I don't know that he's going to be a consistent fantasy producer in the first few years of his career.
2: I think this is going to be a situation where the, the the cream will rise to the top in Miami. Um, Jalen Waddle skills wise. Um, is probably ahead of Devonta Smith for me. Um, he's he's behind Chase for sure, but the 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 question who's the the second best receiver in this class, it can go several different directions I think. Um, I, I, and before he went to Baltimore, um, people were willing to take Rashad Bateman there. Um, I, I I agree that he shouldn't be there today, but waddle over waddle over Devonta Smith. Why not? I I thought he was better when the two of them were on the field together. Uh, Waddle over, you know Williams. Positional team need, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, the running back is going to be a little bit more hard to find, a little bit more valuable.
0: Yeah, in our league, positional scarcity is a little bit, you know, uh, less important since you really only have to start one. It's truly more of a preference. Right. Yeah. Uh Mike, what do you think? Do you think uh, I I don't know, I'm definitely in the I take Smith and Williams over Waddle, but uh what camp are you in?
1: Um I think once you get past frankly, uh I think it's Pitts and Chase, it kind of turns into a dealer's choice situation. Um, in terms of I'm sorry, once you get past Harris, it turns into a dealer's choice situation of are they taking Etienne, are they taking Zach Wilson, or are they taking Mac Jones, or are they taking one of the receivers? It literally comes down to the makeup of the league, the rules of the league, and wow. what personal preference is in terms of systems, skill of players, etc. Um, I've seen situations where Waddle has gone in front of Etienne and all of the above have gone in front of Mac Jones quarterback was more of a priority for a couple of teams in this stretch, so uh Mac jumped in front of them. Um but frankly I think this is kind of one of those things I look at tier based drafting, you know, these guys are the third tier for me. So, you know, whatever order you have these guys in, you you take them in that order.
0: Okay. So you you have no problem with it. Um you didn't reveal yours, but I know you're still in draft, so maybe you don't want to reveal where you stand yourself, but you have no problem with it for sure.
1: No, I mean, and and frankly, I think I, I agree with with Fred. I think um, Fuller is a good add for Miami, but the reason he's, there's a reason he's on a one year deal. Um, I think Parker and Preston and Way- Preston Williams and and um, Waddle and now Fuller give four really good targets with Gusecki and um, and and uh, Hunter Long there uh, that Tua's got targets coming out the wazoo. So now it's a matter of just, okay, which ones match with him and which ones don't. The ones that match with him, they're back next year, the ones who don't, later. Um, But it's one of those where Waddle has uh, all those prototypical receiver um, attributes that you're looking for beyond just the deep speed and also can contribute on special teams game. And don't forget, um, the coaching staff in Miami is pretty much a transplant from New England um where special teams and kind of doing multiple things is is very important to being a part of that team so um i expect waddle to contribute in multiple ways um but again i could see by the same token devonta smith literally just made a mockery of college football this year so i could see going that direction um the highlight plays where devonta williams puts everybody on their ass like it's literally which what, what do you need from a team perspective, and you know, which type of receiver, what type of player do you like the best, and that's who you go with. So I won't fault anybody for taking any of those guys in this range. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. So th- those are the the two big takeaways from the draft. Um. I have a couple of trades I could bring up uh, before we wrap things up. Is there anything else in the draft you guys wanted to talk about?
2: Uh. No. I mean, I. I think it's been really fun that so many draft picks have moved during the draft. I, I, I don't re- recall it being this active last year, but just through the first half of the first round, you know, pick five, eight, nine, fifteen, sixteen, fourteen, nineteen, eleven. All of these, all of these picks moved either while they were on the clock or right, right around then. So yeah, it, it, people, are, people are seeing the guys they want, they're going after them, and I think, that's a, I think that's just a blast.
0: Absolutely. I 100% agree. It has been a blast.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, and again, teams shifting gears, um, both up, upshift and downshift has been really interesting. We went into the chase downshift, we talked about uh, Juventus and Roma doing upshifts. Everton um, Everton's basically completely remade his team. Um, trading Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott, you know, for the draft, getting the 102 and Terry McLaurin, uh, and then taking Terry McLaurin turning it into picks, and, and, and then that turned it into 108 and all that other stuff. So um, it's really fun this time of year, especially with new owners who go through the process of making the team their own. So now Everton is based off of Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance. Again, two very good prospects in terms of um, what he's getting there. Uh, A little bit to be desired and probably going to have to wait a little bit at the running back position until Javante takes a little bit stronger hold of uh, that backfield. But then, you know, CeeDee Lamb, LaVisca Chenault, um, Michael Pittman, like he acquired DK Metcalf and then I know – he was aggressively selling him, but only for the certain things that he wanted. So Everton has done an incredible job, this draft of making this team his own. Um, I don't think he's done. I think there's more moves yet to be made, um, but one of those owners I'll give particular credit to for being um, proactive in looking for trades rather than just kind of sitting there and saying, why isn't anyone trading with me? Not that anyone's doing that, but I think you know, there are some leagues we've been in where Trades have been happening, and it's like, well, how come nobody's trading with me?
0: Yeah, he, um, he, uh, he, I I talked to him, uh, recently because he, I was one of the owners, he was trying to sell uh, Metcalf to aggressively. And I just, I'm not trying to buy him, so like, I was like, I don't mean to be rude, but, um, apparently, this is his style. He likes to trade and trade a lot, he, he knows what he's going for, and he's, you know, he's not shy of talking to different owners. The one, interesting tidbit with ryan i talked to him he said he didn't like the dispersal draft he's like i'd rather just take the orphan and Mm. know what my plan is and um i even told him i was like i'll I'll take feedback i'm a type of owner when i take an orphan i like the dispersal because it like gives me an ownership of the team like that you kind of don't have when you first take an orphan but if more people agree like this we could always switch to a okay we got five openings let's fill the five slots and not do the dispersal even though it's in the bylaws now
2: yeah, the problem with that is you end up with five teams in a dispersal that are of very different qualities. Mm-hmm. And there will always be one or two teams that are more desirable, and then the other three people are left holding the bag with a much more difficult rebuild. Uh, the dispersal at least balances out those assets insofar as people get to choose their own mistakes. Right.
0: Yeah. but um. And, and yeah, that's the way I feel of it too. And yeah, we could play case by case in this league. I'm not, I'm not yeah. set in stone.
2: So as the, the, the new teams that came in um, and, and I'm sorry, I missed that part of the conversation. Are they all going to be retaining their original names or will some of them be picking up? I know uh, Sheffield, I think was he the one who made his own logo. Yep um yep.
0: it, it came out it jeremy sent me in, uh, his idea of what his was and it was almost it was very similar except the font was much nicer on uh on jeremy's so he he adapted jeremy's logo because he's like oh no this is nice
2: yeah so will will those will those teams all be picking a new team name or will they, they all, be keeping
0: they all chose to retain it other than zach zach wanted to rebrand and the rest of them were like nah, i like the teams that were there you know, they they um, part of the dispersal. Uh, it there's there, there's no way of balancing like a snake draft in the dispersal. But what we do is whoever gets the last pick in the dispersal gets to pick which team they fill, which is picking your division and your possible new logo. And every team's given the option like, hey, you can pick a team of someone that quit, or you could pick a new team that no one has, and we'll get you the logo and all that. And, and four four of them were just like, I don't watch soccer. I'm good. <laughs> give me whoever. No, but like no. some people still care about their logo even if they don't watch soccer.
2: Sure. Yeah. Okay, that's cool.
0: Yeah. So um.
2: It's just I, weird to me as a as a existing owner to be dealing with Everton and it's not the Everton or you know, oh this is this is a new Everton.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully people listen to the, this podcast and they got the new rundown, so they, they they won't be as confused. But you know, if you click on their roster, it says their name. You're talking to a new guy on GroupMe, right? When you're dealing negotiations, you'll you'll find out one way or another. But um, I wanted to bring this up to you, Mike, because it's a trade that I found interesting, where you gave up Hertz for the 119, which I don't have in front of me exactly who you took, but um, there was another trade for Hertz. I mean, if we're looking at the times. 12 hours later where um, Chase actually traded four Hertz. And I was curious to see if you thought the value was about the same or if you felt about your trade differently after you saw the second deal.
1: So I mean, it's what you were going for um, in this, which is important. So Chase was trying to diversify um, Metcalf and Hertz into two premium pieces. The third, I'm just going to leave as a point of no consequence. So he was able to break Metcalf down for the most part into Judy, who um, is a, dis- a disappointing uh, rookie season, but still quite strong and hurts. Um, so again, I think that the values there, I think, you know, there are some differing views as to whether DK Metcalf is a greater than 101 asset or whether he's kind of in that high first range. Um, I think the value I put on him obviously was uh, a high first range, whereas um the value that uh, Hertz was in Chase's deal it was probably in that high to mid-first range as well. So probably around the same point, but mine um, I'm able to measure against the 119. Um, did then 119 and 129 get you the 106, which I would say maybe is a DK half point?
2: I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah I'd say it's fair.
2: Yeah, you're always running into that weird... Uh, liquidity problem with those high-end assets when it comes to the rookie draft people are a little more enamored with draft picks they can they can move them around easier they can get the guy they want whereas the the somebody like metcalf you have to find the right team who's interested in him and has the assets that you want to receive back right
1: Yeah, so Eric, in terms of what I got for those, so I've been kind of lucky in both of my trades that I've done uh, or sets of trades that I've done this uh, draft. Um, I traded, I think it was the 121 back or the 128 back to the 139 Juventus' first before uh, I did the Hertz trade. So then I used um, the 139 and the 119. I, I used my, I think it was I think I used those two picks to get uh, the 205 and um, the pick I used to get Kyle Pitts. Yeah, 139 and 115 to get is, um, 114 and 215. 114 I used on Kyle Pitts. Um, the 215 I added to Juventus' first, which I also got in that uh, move back deal, to get Matt Ryan. So in reality, it okay, was gotcha. the 128 and Jalen Hurts to get Kyle Pitts and Matt Ryan.
0: I think that's a good deal for you. Yeah, that, yeah, I like that for you, too.
1: And then the other one was basically um, Gibson and my third and fourth to uh, get um, Miles
2: Sanders and Rashad Bateman. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I think you're, you're one of the people who are higher on Bateman than others as well, aren't you?
1: I, I think I have Bateman in 80% of my leagues right now.
0: Wow, that much.
1: Minnesota um Minnesota
0: prospect.
1: He Minnesota prospect. Um he, the thing is he, he won in every type of route. The go route, the curl route, the hitch route, um was just a slant king. Um again, he's not the same size, so it's not a good comparison from that perspective. I see a lot of AJ Brown
0: there. So now when you look at him, do you, you see him as the guy that's going to be the number one in a year or two? Um,
1: I think for, uh, for, for what he does there, I don't think he's ever going to um, get the number of targets that a guy, uh, some of these other receivers like Michael Thomas or things like that will be. That's just not the type of offense they run. But again, it's, I think he wins in every facet of the field and um, just gives them the versatility to do what they want to do. They have an outside guy now who uh, can win the jump balls, can go over the middle, who can do all those things and basically is enough of a threat that now Mark Andrews is not the number one receiving option there.
2: Do you think that Baltimore is capable of opening up their offense enough to make use of him?
1: I mean, and I don't think they have to open it up all that much. I think um, if they threw it 400 times last year, if they throw it, you know, 450 times, um, I think he gets 120 targets, and I think that's enough for him to be a wide receiver one or two, you know. Like I think as they see what he can do and the ways that he can win, um, I think they will shift a little bit more of the direction. I think Greg Roman has shown he's had the flexibility to be, you know, run first, but um, adjust it up or down as it needs to. And, you know, I think Bateman's the kind of guy who's going to make him do that.
0: If you're, uh, if you're watching, um, if you're watching the, the stream right now, you can see the Bateman highlights. I'm watching it as you guys are talking. It's very but distracting, it's,
2: but it's th- these are the worst highlights because he's opened by 10 yards on every play. Yeah. and that, That's not going to happen in the NFL.
1: No. And that's the thing. It's like, you're not going to play against Penn state level corners in the NFL. Um, I think there's quite, there's quite a few. And, and the thing that, that, impressed me the most with him and makes me think he's going to succeed with Baltimore is look at the number of times he's got to adjust because the ball is not put where it's supposed to go. Um, either he's got to go get it because it's too high. He's going to come back to it because it's underthrown. Um The ball is not where it's supposed to be. This is, you know, what we're seeing right there is a good example of it going where it's supposed to. Um, but there's more than enough here where it's the ball is not properly placed and he's got to adjust to it and, and somehow still make the play. I think that's something he's going to have to do a lot with Lamar and something that, um, you know, that skill set's going to translate well for him to this offense. Yeah. And
0: a couple of the plays you just see, it's great ball skills. Yeah. To be able to separate himself from the defender when they're on. Now, they might be higher, higher quality in the NFL, which, you know, remains to be seen. But, you know, you get flashes of Dez when you're watching this.
2: Yeah. If he was just a little bit bigger. uh, Yeah. People would be saying that about him.
1: Right, and that's the thing there. Like, look, look at this Penn State play. If the ball is put over his outside shoulder, that's a touchdown. It's not. He's got to stop, come back, and secure the ball and make the catch. But again, this is this is playing with Minnesota quarterbacks instead of playing with um, you know maybe four or five star guys.
0: Yeah, uh, I actually uh, I got him in uh, one of our other leagues and the Charty League. He's my Debbie, so I'm excited to see how he does.
1: Yeah, and, and like that's the other thing. He broke out incredibly strongly at a young age. I think uh had so over a thousand yards either his freshman or sophomore season, and this year even hurt uh put up enough points and yards that he was pretty impressive. Um and then was just interesting enough that he just finally shut it down and got ready for the draft. Well,
0: yeah. Um well that's some good talk on uh oh there's a clip and too, how about that? Um on Bateman, does anyone have any other trades or picks they want to talk about?
1: Um, so from a Debbie perspective, I think maybe that's something we can touch on here. Sure. Yeah, um, with Chase acquiring basically a taxi squad full of Debbie players here, I think, you know, Brees Hall is one that I'm a huge fan of um come into this. I think a lot of people saw him being the counter, the sort of um the foundational piece of what went for um for Swift. I think maybe just kind of people getting a better idea of what he looks like and what he's able to do in the football field as a true freshman is something that's gonna, you know, maybe open a few eyes there. Yeah. So, you know, we seen him winning inside the tackles, bouncing it outside. Um
0: where is he yeah. from? Iowa State. Iowa State, yeah. Yeah, a couple of prospects that we got here that aren't from like some of the big uh, SEC schools or the you know the teams that are in the championship every year.
1: Yeah, but he's got good good balance, good contact balance, um, good speed. So,
0: um, Brees Hall is up. Uh, I guess B. John Robinson is probably the number one. Debbie prospect right now? Brees Hall is right behind him?
1: Uh, I'd say it's pretty close.
0: Okay. Yeah. It, it, uh, you would be, I think, uh, I don't know how Fred is with Debbie's, but I kind of, I'm not great at college stuff. I usually wait till they declare for the
2: draft. Usually our Debbie draft is the first time that I have ever heard any of their names and I don't follow any of their college's career. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm not a college football fan. I, I don't pay any attention to the incoming rookies until roughly the senior bowl. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's all, it, it's, it, it's an afterthought. He's got some speed, right. though.
1: And one of the things I really like about Brees and you'll see in kind of the film you have here is there's not a lot of like herky jerky in his game. It's, he sees the hole, he hits the hole and I he's going, that. you know, North and South It's a lot of guys will try and like throw the shoulder wiggle in there or you know the hip wiggle or stuff like that to try and get somebody off balance. Uh, I think B. John will do that on a regular basis. He's not the player I'm going to compare him to. I see his running style very similar to Adrian Peterson's, where it's I'm picking the hole, I'm getting up to speed, and I'm going through the hole. I don't think he has the side of Peterson, I don't think he has the speed of Peterson, but I think the I'm going to attack the. I'm going to attack the point where I'm supposed to go to. I'm going to get the yards I'm going to get, and then I'm going to get down, and we're going to move on to the next play, um, especially for the level of reliance and the level, and the number of different ways they use him in the offense. Um, I think it's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. yeah. Certainly something to keep an eye out for, and I'm sure uh, Chase will be looking now that he's owned the rights to his uh, Devy pick. But uh, in our league, you can also draft him in the rookie draft, which is, uh, I think, I mean, I don't know of many leagues that have done that. I don't know of any leagues that have done it, but I think it's a pretty unique feature where uh, hopefully the rookie pool isn't too depleted and the, you know, the Debbie still matter.
2: Yeah. I love the, I love the idea in theory. Um, You know, everybody gets a, everybody gets a Debbie pick regardless of who they are, where they finished. And there's, and there's no trading until the Debbie picks have been picked. So the, the the coupling that with the fact that everyone has to take somebody unique, and then the uh, the second and third copies show up in the in the rookie draft, is a uh, is a nice twist.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've liked how it's panned out so far. It's definitely the long term approach. So I think the next rookie draft is going to be the year that twenty twenty two, where we see some of these players declare. Um, probably only a few, and those few will be the ones that start right away and then 2023 will be the one where you see a bunch of our devies start you know the guys that get drafted i mean even if your guy is a practice squad guy you're still going to be able to keep him on the roster if you want you know you'll have to make that debate and you know some people will stay in college and they'll stay on your devies. but um 2023 will be the first year where it's like movement in every direction we got people declaring we got people staying in college and we got people uh, getting drafted into the league again, so it sh- that's when the full circulation will be from when we draft them to when they get on our rosters. Yep. Um, go ahead, Fred. What's up? You know, I was just
2: going to say that um, the the I, I'm looking forward to seeing how the devies that I've picked end up coming into the NFL, and and whether or not I I did a fine job of choosing them, even though none of them are on my roster anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's what I want to highlight with that youth squad report is like, you know, it basically uh, there, there's two levels, like who you had graduate on your roster and also who you drafted. And since everyone has to draft someone, everyone's going to have that statistic, although it's not truly fair because like the top five picks are always going to get the five star recruits and then everybody else is like just throw darts. But it, it's still going to be fun.
2: Sure, but those top five picks shouldn't be the same five teams every year if they're doing it right.
0: That's true. That's very true because t- to get awarded the top in the youth squad means you just barely missed being good. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, one last person I'll bring up before we conclude tonight is um, Matt's uh, Debbie Prospect. I know he always listens, so I figured i will bring him up, and if he's watching on YouTube, he can take a look. And this is the number one – uh, qb Devi, according to some of the debbie sites that i've looked at and it's sam howell the north carolina qb and um he's really took ncaa by storm uh he's got to be in, in contention for the heisman this coming uh, upcoming year i'm sure but uh he i never thought a, a unc player in football would be making such <laughs> a big impact but um that that did some some Good job picking him in the youth squad and i know he's really excited for him uh i'll start with you mike since you seem to watch the most college uh what do you know on sam here
1: um so sam's actually been a darling recruit for uh some time um so again he's a good grab by uh by matt but um you know he was kind of in that contention with uh the spencer rattlers and folks of that draft um number three, dual threat, uh, quarterback in, in that class. So, okay. um, not necessarily a complete unknown. Um, but granted the level of talent that uh, Mac Brown has there in, in UNC is pretty impressive. Like you think about, uh, Javonta Williams and Michael Carter, who just graduated this year and went in the draft and their respective, um, points. Um, Diane Brown, who you're seeing a lot of these highlights uh, being a, a good point. And frankly, I think there's a number of offensive linemen who are pretty impressive there. So he's in a offense that's tailor made for him to succeed. So it's kind of one of those, is it, is he this good because he's this good or is he this good because he's got the offense and the talent around him. And frankly, in the ACC, unless you're playing Notre Dame or Clemson, you're not exactly going to have the toughest, uh, matchup on a week to week basis. Um, so I like some things I see with him. I think he might be a little bit overrated. And I kind of feel that way about all the quarterbacks next year. Um, but again, I could I have I've heard arguments made about Howell being the QB one. I've heard Ratler be the QB one. Um, I really like Daniels, but I think he's a little bit undersized. I think everyone next year is kind of in that like next tier down. I'm not gonna say they're like Haskins level, but I think they're kind of like a four-star you know, quarterback prospect Whereas this year we had, uh, you know, three or four five-star QB prospects.
0: So um, if we're going to compare uh, your, I guess, uh, your idea on this class, Mike, do you think it's more like the Jared Goff, Carson Wentz class? Or do you think it's more like the um, Trubisky, uh, Watson, Mahomes class? <sighs> That's a tough one because I think – uh, Goff and Wentz were like, they weren't, they weren't like the guaranteed one too. It's just that those teams really needed the quarterbacks, right? They weren't super stoked about either one of them, if I remember correctly. And then in the in the next draft, none of those Watson, Mahomes, and Trubisky, none of them were home runs coming out. Everyone had question marks on all three of them, and that's why they didn't go in the first couple picks, and they were drafted later.
1: So. Uh... So I'm going to give kind of an unsatisfactory answer. Sure. Um, I, I think, it, <laughs> it's, I think it's both. Um, I think it's the quality of quarterback that was Goff and Wentz. I think they're going to go in the range that, like you had mentioned, um, that Trubisky and Mahomes and Watson went. Um, the reason I'm kind of making that distinction is I think – with the benefit of hindsight, everyone saw that, okay, maybe Jared Goff and Carson Wentz weren't the quarterback saviors. Everyone thought they were. Um, But, you know, I think now with the level of quality of quarterback in the league, you probably got three or four guys who could be starters on teams who are in backup roles. So next year, you're going to be in a position where, okay, if I need a starter at quarterback or I need a long-term solution at quarterback, I might not need to find that guy immediately in the draft. I might be able to wait till, you know, later in the first round or stuff like that. So I think they're going to slide a little bit, but I think they're, you know, the quality of quarterback of the golf and Wentz level. Okay. Yeah.
0: That it'll be in, in you know, it, it you, the, the, the coolest thing about Debbie is that you could change your mind next year after you see them play again, right? Like you can see them progress. They're, they're kids. Uh, they could make the next step if, um, You know, if certain things are developed and they could also regress, like we saw with like someone like Sam Darnold, who was like number one, number one, number one. And then the his his year before draft, everyone was like, he really wasn't that good at USC this year. We're kind of worried. They should have been. What? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, we'll see how he does with the Panthers. It'd definitely be better than when he was with the Jets, right?
2: Maybe not definitely, but probably.
0: Okay, that's fair. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun uh, breaking down some of the, the the youth squad guys and putting them on. Maybe uh, the next podcast we could do something like that. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, we can do that. Just have kind of a youth squad report, you know, like, uh, easy feed in something like that.
0: Yeah, and I'll just make sure I don't have any monetization on because I'm using people's highlights clips that are not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think uh, that was that was a fun podcast. We can conclude things there. Um, as more draft picks and trades are made, we we certainly will have more things to talk about. And next time, I'll make sure I have a little more prepared in terms of you know research and stuff. Because uh, uh, full disclosure, probably started like thirty minutes before the podcast. But I think. We We'll see. Maybe we got to give yeah. Matt a little incentive he, to do that.
2: He he broke our system.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was traded in thirds just to try to get a banner. Uh, But yeah, that's a, that's a good place to end it. Um, I'm sure we'll do a podcast soon once we get some more. And uh, thank you so much, Fred and Mike, for taking time out of your night to join us here tonight. And um, thank you to all the owners for making this another fun ass draft. So much activity, more trades in any of the rookie drafts I'm in. So, uh, Keep it up. I really appreciate it. And uh, good night.